Welcome back to Changing Room 4, the Championship Rugby Podcast with Sid, Fids and Jamie. It's round eight this week, round eight of this uh, of this shortened season. It's, it's flying by, absolutely flying by. And we'll get into the rugby soon. But before we do, Fids, Sid, how's your bank holiday weekend been? Yeah, very good, thanks. Back on the cricket field on Saturday. <laughs> Bowled well, batted terribly. Boring. Um, and then yes, yesterday was just a nice relaxed day, thank you. And then we'll swiftly move on to Sid, who has probably done something more exciting. I'm hating this uh, hospitality being open again, albeit outside, because everyone keeps wanting to go for beers all the time and then keeps inviting you. And then you think, oh, well, we're back out of it now. So it'd be rude to say that you don't want to go. I've just, it's been ridiculous. I've been hung over for so long. Is your wallet suffering as well? Yeah. Oh, mate. Like, you wouldn't believe. Yeah, ridiculous. But, hey, what are you going to do about it? Such a social butterfly, you. I really am. <laughs> wouldn't expect anything less. Wouldn't expect anything less. So, we've got a nice little surprise this week. We have our first ever special guest on the podcast, everybody. A little Woo-hoo! bit of round of applause. We welcome... Absolutely. We welcome Amptil commentator and sports journalist Warren Muggleton. Welcome to Changing Room 4, Warren. Thank you very much, Jamie. Very happy to be here on this glorious Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's looking better than uh, than they'd predicted, but I'm sure that will change. Uh, how have you enjoyed the rugby this week, Warren? It's been very entertaining. Lots of interesting results. Some as from Nottingham and Ealing a little bit predictable, but... Some great battles around the country and a great game on Sunday as well. It's keeping everything tight and keeping those conversations going about who's going to go up and that sort of stuff and who's going to be mid-table. No relegation, no, but it's very interesting battle at the bottom as well. So lots of talking points, which I'm sure I can help you cover on here. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into them, let's do a quick recap of the scores from the week. So... The first game this weekend was Amptil against Jersey. Jersey ran out tri-bonus point winners uh, 29-14 at Dillingham Park. Warren and I were both there covering for uh, TV and radio respectively. Yeah, yeah, I know. You've only got some celebrities on this podcast. Um, Drop that one in there. So the next game was Coventry at home against Cornish Pirates. They lost that game 19 points to 30. A solid win for the Pirates there. Ealing hosted Richmond and that predictably went quite a big score. 69 points to 7. Richmond probably doing quite well to get on the score sheet to be fair. Uh, Nottingham hosted the big dogs, Saracens. uh, Although didn't, didn't come out quite so well. Uh, nil point. Nil point for Nottingham, unfortunately, to Saracens 56. Rampant winners. And then on Sunday, Doncaster had Bedford come up to Castle Park and visit them and they ran out 27-19 winners at home. So Doncaster still continuing their strong season. That leaves the table looking like this. So Ealing still at the top, got 35 points. Doncaster still second on 31. Saris with a game in hand have 30 points. Cornish Pirates on 25. They're in Coventry in fifth on 20. Amptil sixth on 15. Jersey rising up the ranks there in seventh with 14 points. Bedford Blues in 8th with 11 points. Hartbury, who had a bye this week, they're also on 11 points. Richmond in 10th on 4. And Nottingham still winless down at the bottom of the table with 2 points. (whistles) So, Amptil versus Jersey. Warren, you were there. (laughs) What were your thoughts about Amptil versus Jersey? Let's start with you first. Well, it was an opportunity, wasn't it, for both of these sides? because Jersey were coming out of the game, having played in front of a 1,000 fans and beating Nottingham. That's a very familiar phrase we're saying now. And going yeah. to Amstel, knowing that they could get two wins in two. Amstel, coming out of the Cornish Pirates win at the Menai was massive for them. They worked really hard. They kept the discipline, which has been a key factor for Amstel this season. And they could have made it three and three. Could have been historic for them, first time in the championship for them. But at the end of the day, it came down to two factors. It came down to the pace of the game, 
which Jersey dominated from minute one to 80. And it came down to errors, which unfortunately Amstel dominated on the table. It came down to, I think they had 18 penalties. And when I spoke to Mark yeah. Lavery after the game, he said that you can't win a game on 18 penalties. It's impossible. <laughs> so mm. the right team won. Jersey played some fantastic running rugby. They stretched the pitch. They played it at fast pace. Kept Amstel on the back foot, caused, made errors out of them. And Amstel, I think, will be disappointed in how they perform. But, and especially the fact they're travelling to the Stonex in a, a couple of weeks' time as well. So, Jersey really took the opportunity. And that's why they're now one point behind Amstel. Yeah, they did. The, the The point you made there about the penalties, four of those penalties came inside the opening three or four minutes. Yeah. It was, they, Jersey really did come out of the blocks and they, they did put the pressure on immediately with, I think there was a tap penalty as well. The, the yeah. first penalty, they tapped it and ran forward and just really put Amtel on the back foot um, and forced those penalties through. And in, they came away with, um, what what was it? It was Tom Williams down the left wing, 40 mm. metres out into the corner. And it was it was first blood to Jersey. And so that immediately set the tone of the game. Um, the thing I noticed about Jersey as well was they played a really good kicking game. The the back three played with their heads up and really spotted the space behind the Amtel lines and really put the pressure on by kicking into those areas and playing the territory game. And it, it came off. It absolutely came off. I mean, there was a period in the second half where Amtel were, were up um, in the Jersey half, but for the most part, Jersey really were were dominant. I think so. I think they were aware in some parts that Amtel had had a big injury at fullback to Tom Hudson, the foot of Gloucester Loney, who'd been playing every minute uh, up till the Hartbury game, 43-41, where he picked up an injury against his former side. It saw Cameron Anderson come into that spot and it meant that kicking duties, as you say, really came on to Louis Grimmelby. And as great as kicker as he is, I think when the wind was going against him in that second half, they knew they would be on the back foot. So taking that advantage, in that first half, as you say, when they came out the blocks, they were going into the wind. So it meant that kicking game got, they used it more in the second half. And especially Dan Barnes got involved in that as well with the kicking. And yeah, like I say, that was a big contributing factor to the to the win as well. It gave them that extra impetus. As, and as I said, kept Ansel on the back foot, forcing the errors out of them, putting that pressure on. It's almost like Jersey have managed to gel in these last couple of weeks. I mean, they've had the work, one of the worst starts out of all the, all the teams, considering yeah. they couldn't play at home because of COVID. Starting off against Saracens, and then uh, hope going to Richmond, Bedford, Doncaster. Uh, I can't remember else there is there now that they've played. But, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's now started to gel. They had a lot of changes. But you can see what uh, Harvey Bilgeon was trying to do with that fast, pacey, expansive rugby. And the kicking game was part of that, and it really came off at Dillingham Park. I, I'm going to ask a question here. So obviously, you know, Jersey's tries, all scored by the back division. You guys have said that, you know, they look to play that expansive game. So I suppose it's a two-part question. Firstly, do we think that getting back to normality and a bit more of a routine with, you know, flying back to, to Jersey, all that self-isolation, the testing, do you work because they're now playing games at home, are they more rested? Do they feel more comfortable with the routine? And secondly... Does the fact that we've had really, really dry weather help Jersey's game uh, and ensure that, you know, wherever they're going, they can play that expansive brand of rugby? Ooh, good question. Um, I think I think it did definitely help them being back at home. I mean, you only had to look at the pictures from the Stad Santander International from the game against Nottingham. So any any team, it could be Saracens, it could be could be old Albanian in National League 2 South. Anyone playing against that crowd in the scenario would have probably won in that, that game because having a crowd like that behind you is massive and it would have just taken away, all blown away all those cobwebs that they've had, all those confidence issues that they may have felt from the earlier games. And so, yeah, I think that will definitely help, especially when Coventry are going to be their next visitors. And I think there are weaknesses in that Coventry side, which they can be exploited. We've seen Ealing do it three backs and also Cornish Pirates coming in as well. They'll be well fired up for a bit of a South... Let's call it a South Coast English Channel derby, if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a distance, but it's a... Yeah, so I think that would definitely help going back into that home form. But then also, like you say, the dry weather, that is a good point. Because as we, I think, as you, I'm sure you'll agree, Jamie, the way that Jersey were moving the ball out, they didn't really let it sit for a long time. Something that we've seen Ealing and Saracens and Doncaster do. 
this season. And it's they were they were passing it through the hands. Yeah, lot. they were. They were definitely they were really trying were. to get it out there. I think I think that was partly because I think they know everyone knows. I think until when you've got players like Dave Ward, Lecky, Latouille on the bench, you know that Amtel are going to try and keep it on the ground. But on a day like it was, it was quite dry, and it certainly was uh, at Dillingham Park. So yeah, I think this that definitely played into Jersey's hands because it just gives you that extra confidence with the grip on the ball and the, some of the passes they were playing and getting. I don't. Know, I'll, I'll probably mention this because. Jersey had quite an interesting tactic, I think, because obviously you have your normal halfback pairing, scrum half, fly half, which was uh, Max Green and Brendan Cope. But then the number 12, Dan Barnes, when they came out the set piece, he was the man receiving the ball from Green the first time. And what it meant was that Brendan Cope, the fly half, was able to take the set, set ball out of the breakdown for the first time. And he could provide that little bit of creativity to keep that acceleration of the ball on. So that gave them an extra edge. And I think that is also something that will contribute to Jersey as well, as well as kind weather and playing at home. I have one more point that I'd just like to mention about sort of this game and a question that I'll open up to the floor. I don't know how it will be affected with Jersey in particular and their backward and forward and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you spoke about that expansive style of play. Um, Part of that was brought up, or you know, an example of it was found in one of the most significant tries, which was um, where Williams and Van Breda um, linked up to score. And they are both loanees from Worcester. And then looking at the Amptill setup as well, you had Sam Crean, uh, you had Ollie Stonham, uh, Hallett, Wainwright, all from Saris, you had Anderson from Wasps. Um, a lot of loanees obviously are out and about in the championship. How big an influence do those players have and if do you think that it would be affected negatively i would imagine if the premiership were to go the way of ring fencing do you think that there would there would be an adverse effect on the on the championship with the loan e structure i think it's a risk definitely I, until as you say those four valve in the players that they had as you said sam wainwright sam crean ollie stoneham Josh Hallett, Sam Bryan, who's actually forced to come on early because of an injury to Matt Marsh at scrum half. They all had big roles to play, and actually all three, five of them, I think, actually had good games within their own rights, whether it was attacking at set-piece or running at the back line. Or Sam Bryan, actually, it was a real big confidence boost for him. John Kapoka on CoComs, who was obviously part of the Saracens setup, was telling me how hard those guys work in training. Like Sam Bryan will be one of those players He'll stay like hours after training. He'll practice his kicking for an hour, his passing for an hour. But it's all very good training. But until you get on the pitch, it's really it doesn't really work. You have to mm. get those minutes on the pitch. And I think those minutes have to be competitive. And I think that's one of the key problems with ring fencing. If you have that, it's, there's no risk of losing. There's no taking away that risk of losing something that we've seen with the European Super League mm. conversations the last couple of weeks. So I think, I think I'm, I'm with you there. It would have a, a risk and it would have a fa- an, lim- an limiting factor on the competitiveness that is available to these loanies. Same actually with the Jersey guys at Worcester. Yeah, Scott Van Breda and Tom Williams at times were playing some really high attacking lines against, against uh, Amtel. And I think they did that. Obviously Amtel wants to be... At Jersey, when I spoke to Harvey Biljohn, he says... They want to be. They wanted to play some just great, creative attacking rugby, and just continue doing that. So, but you have to have a competitive environment in which to do that. Yeah, I think so. And I think you, you players, I think can say. I'm also. I'm not. I'm not into. In, I haven't played. Before, I haven't played professional rugby before. I can't give you a perspective from inside, but I think there must be something that plays in your mind if you know that it's not a competitive environment. And it would affect it. But yeah, that's the thing. The championship is a great breeding ground for these academy players. It gives them that competitive time. It gives them the opportunity to sort of get out on the pitch, apply what they've been doing in training on their development contracts, keep them in the game and give their co- their directors of rugby in the premiership something to really think about. And that's why we've had great talents coming through. Oh gosh, a couple of names. I'm trying to, I'll, I'll probably come back to you on that. Like Joe Launchbury. Probably one. I know he's probably a division lower, Roslyn, uh, Roslyn Park. But bear in mind, Amtill, Coventry, Hartbury were all National 1 teams. As for a time, were Exeter Chief backs in the day and Bristol Bears back in the day before mm. they came up into, into that position. It's so important 
to get those academy players. They need those minutes with these teams. So, mm. in answer to your original question, yes, I think ring fencing would have a negative impact on the like the system of lone players going out to the mm. championship because it would take away that competitive element for them. Time on. Let's move on to the next game then. So, Coventry against Cornish Pirates. This was earmarked as quite an intense battle and one that we, we wanted to see what was going to happen. Two teams that we thought fairly evenly matched, doing quite well, uh, respectively, this season. Um, but Pirates put in quite a dominant display, winning 30 points to 19 at oh, away at Butts Park Arena. So... Quite an impressive achievement, given they had 14 men for a quarter of the match. They had two yellow cards throughout the, the course of the game and still managed to come away with, with quite a hefty win like that. It was. It was very impressive. I think there was a risk with Cornish Pirates, of course, that they could have felt a bit beaten, a bit down downtrodden from the result of the men eye against Downshill, uh the week before. But you could see there was a fire in their bellies when they went to the Butts Park Arena. You know, Coventry are a team, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, they're a team that's all about stamina, I think. They they will play from minute one to minute 80. They will be competitive throughout that time. So I think the way that Cornish Pirates hit them in those sort of middle quarters was really important because it gave them that edge and it sort of cut put Coventry out of the game. And I think the more impressive thing about Cornish Pirates is they've had, they've been really injury hit. And they managed to compete against the Coventry side that was looking very strong. And they managed to do it on their own ground as well. So, yeah, big statement from Cornish Pirates. And I'm not sure it's going to have an impact on the sort of playoff positions. I think the dam- some of the damage has probably been done. But, yeah, I think it's it only goes to show that Cornish Pirates are a really competitive side in the Championship. And they'll, they can give anyone a game on their day. Well, they can still finish strong this season. They're currently in fourth. They're five points off Saracens. So, I mean, depending on other results, there's, what, two more games left. They could potentially be looking at third, but certainly fourth is achievable. Absolutely. I think, bear in mind, they've got the uh, bye in round 10, where I think uh, Ealing and Doncaster Knights take each other on. So, if Doncaster Knights can get a bonus point, I think that might they might be watching that game on the edge of their seats. Perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, I think you have to, yeah, all praise to Cornish Pirates. I mean, they started the season off in sensational form, got the whole rugby world talking about their result. And I think you, I think the thing I love about Cornish Pirates is their approach to the set piece. Like, they go into it thinking that they can't be beaten. And a lot of the time, it, 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 that is the way that they do it. I think I'm just trying to have, just having a look at the report now. It's that dominance of the pack, whether it comes at the set piece or the breakdown, it makes them imperious. And it makes them a real threat. Uh, so, yeah, real strong performance from Cornish Pirates. And playing behind a dominant pack must be good fun for Arwell Robson. So, you know, we talked about loan signings. And Arwell Robson came in at 10 on loan from Newport Gwent Dragons. 18 points yesterday, uh, yesterday, Saturday. Man of the match performance. You know, and I think that, again, goes back to... Uh, what you were saying earlier, Warren, around the difficulty of, of ring fencing. Would you, as a director of rugby, is it um, Dean Ryan still at Dragons? Would you want to send your up-and-coming fly half out on loan to a competition where there is no competition? You know, and we don't get to see these players. And, I, you know, I think it's a great breeding ground. And, you know, obviously Sam Aspen-Robinson playing against the Pirates for Coventry on the wing on loan from Leicester. He's had two eventful games in his first two starts. It was Simbind last week for... Uh, going for the intercept and knocking on and, and, you know, this week on the try scoring sheet. So I think it's a real breeding ground for these young players to really sort of hone their craft, if you will. But uh, I just wanted to sort of add to that by saying it must be so much fun for a young player coming through the ranks to play behind such a dominant forward pack, giving you that time to unleash your back line and, and the likes of Rory Parata and, and others. Oh, it, it just gives you confidence, doesn't it? It gives you the confidence that you can... Play your get play your own game at the backs, and it means that you can have a bit of creativity and take a little bit of calculated risk as well. So give yourselves that little bit of a little bit of space if you can see it in the opposition when you've got a forward pack that you know is going to be strong at the breakdown, work well at the set piece, be efficient probably at the set pieces is the key word, and also provide a little bit of option in the attacking format as well. It just gives you that confidence, and like you said, as we've already said. 
doing it in a, in a in a league where it is competitive. There's a lot a lot between Coventry and Cornish Pirates in that respect. I mean, we see that in the table, um, and the recent results. Then it's the perfect breeding ground, as you say, to show off to your team, whether it's Newport or whether it's uh, wherever wherever it is. Then yeah, it's a it, this was a great game to do that, and it was a great Cornish Pirates and Coventry are great teams to show that off. Certainly in respect of playing in front of a behind even a good forward pack. And did we say our oh, Robinson Robson? Sorry, is uh is like eighteen or something like that as well. He he's he's a he's a young bloke, and so what what we're seeing is where you've got these young exciting players who just rock up and then just chuck in man of the match performances. Um. All of those keyboard warriors for the past 10 years or whatever that have been complaining about international rugby, right? And saying that it's everyone plays to the same system, kicking games, um, you know, just too too pragmatic and it's boring and whatever else, right? Do they know uh, that the championship exists where you get this this kind of, you know, flair rugby? You know, why why are people not buying into that? And... It just seems like the perfect answer to all of those questions, and that's it. I think with with all these young, exciting players that give that get given this opportunity, it, it makes for some for some really entertaining rugby. Um, one thing I will bring up about this match: so Pirates fifteen, Tommy Wyatt gets shown a yellow card for an off the ball shoulder into the back of uh, Pete White. Um, and gets a yellow card for it. So again, first thing that we said when we introduced this game, another two yellow cards, another twenty minutes of uh, play, yeah, playing with fourteen men. Um, let's have the let's have the weekly yellow card chat now. <laughs> oh um, God! Right, but I'm but now I'm saying, as if I was a coach in a championship side, right? One, when when you watch the game back in front of everyone, and you bring up some of your key points, right? Doing something that's unnecessary, bringing down a more if if there's a if there's a try that's going to come from a five meter line out and you know bringing them all down, being cynical that's one thing, or being a you know a professional uh, a professional foul sort of thing that's one thing. But shouldering someone in the back off the ball away from play when it's getting when they know it's being filmed and they know that they can review it all on cameras, surely. I'm not. I'm not picking out Tommy Wyatt, but it's anyone in that situation what? that we, well, yes, I am. <laughs> you, you definitely there, are. There's but also, deservedly so. But there's oh, also no. going to be a hundred other examples of this so far this season. Surely they must get torn apart in front of their entire team, and they are. They're at the elite level. They're also letting down twenty-two other lads there, as well as their coaching staff and all their fans. Surely they should be reprimanded for it more. And plus, if I'm a coach of a team. Do we not just say, right, lads, key point for this, no cards? I reckon that's the, probably the easiest target to achieve, no? Is that the key to winning a championship game? That's my take on this. I think it might be. The key to winning championship games, don't get carded. I think, I think you've got a very good point there, definitely. I think, <laughs> you know, it's, especially in a season like this where an error, as you say, can rule you out of the season completely. We saw that with Jersey's Apakuki Marfu when he got that tackle against Ely and he got a red card for that game now mm. he was out for 11 weeks and now he's retired from the game but like you say I mean, we'll wait to see what the punishment is on that one I think they'll pro- probably be out for a couple of weeks it may be even be for the rest of the season we'll see on that Simbin but I think you're right it's at the end of the day if your error count's high it will lead to Simbins as well sometimes that's out of your control if you're against a strong team and you're defending for your life but yeah also I think in those respects you it's it's a funny old world isn't it you wonder what goes on inside a player's head when they just see it and decide to go for the barger I mean it's not it's not merit table you know like no, fourth it's team really rugby, not is it? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say WWE <laughs> <laughs> I've got two points on the things that you've raised here. so firstly your your question around the the advert of the game the fact that we've got these exciting games that people should come and watch First, so on that, the RFU, you need to sort out the website. The, the fact that the championship okay. received uh-huh. such poor coverage on your website and the, all the map centres have gone down for the last couple of weeks, sort yourselves out. Just get it sorted so it's accessible for everyone. Just 
simple. I, I, that's a, I think this is a fair. I think that's a fair bit of like feedback. The the RFU had a real big uh, thing not long ago with um, the GMS, the game management system, which all the players and coaches and all that obviously have to log into. I tried doing it. And it was just the most unuser friendly uh, system in the entire world, and so there was a great big uproar about it. Um, but yeah, they've managed to sort it out a little bit. It's still a nightmare, but yeah. So those kind of things are important, though, and no, especially especially when they're not when the games are not on telly uh, all the time, or you know, there's not they're not as accessible as the Premiership or other competitions. Then that stuff is important. Yeah, and then my second point going to your yellow card issue. I know the yellow card was received by a Pirates player. They ended up winning the game. So does does it matter that you know we had that moment of madness? And uh... it does, it does, because they might have scored a try bonus point. So so they might have lo- they might they might have lost a point and because of the yellow card. But I think for me, you know, if if I was a coach and I know Sid, you are a coach, and if someone is listening and they need a rugby coach, please get in touch with Sid Young. He's, uh, he's, he's crying out for work. He's absolutely crying out for work. There's going to be a banner across the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, is yeah, yeah. that is the weekly plug for it Sid's is. coaching services. Thanks, that we have Te- to... Text £5 to 81323. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just, it's a contact sport. You've got to play on the edge a little bit and you've got to fire yourself up. I think there are times where that's required I don't think it was the right way of going about it in that example by shoving your shoulder into the nine's back you know that that was the wrong way but I, I'd want my so players I don't to get caught eh? yeah exactly <laughs> classic Richie McCaw thing isn't it he, he he just said if you can cheat and get away with it then that's what what you want to do and he was probably the master at it um but you know as you say with with the fact that there is a lot of coverage you know it's so hard now these days to get away with things like that but I would want my players to play with a little bit of fire in them and just be on that edge because it, rugby is a physical game. Looking at our next match then, it was Ealing 69, Richmond 7 at uh, at the Trailfinders home ground. A predictable win there, but Richmond with, with a, a nice little seven points to go home with, maybe a little bit more than they expected to come away with. Oh, they take it literally... They would absolutely take that against an Ealing Trail Finder side at full strength at Vallis. I mean, if you get a try out of it, a bit of points difference. I mean, it keeps it well. That actually, how vital is that seven points? It keeps them seven points in terms of difference against um, Nottingham, and they're only two points behind them as well. So who knows? Those little margins could <laughs> be vital. Who know? I mean, it might be a bit speculative, but I mean, you know, it's. What, what what else would you expect against an Ealing side of this kind of caliber? I think the Saracens, the game against Saracens, just to throw in a little note on that one, just showed that I think it, teams have worked, lost by bigger margins than Ealing did. I think they're showing they're well worthy of the place up in the top division. I think a couple of recruitment issues in there, but all that it's doing really is just showing that Ealing are well up there, really, and. They they got back to exactly what they've been doing all season against Richmond, and they did it superbly. Yeah, and I think following on from our conversation in our pod last week around Callum Watson being Richmond, yeah, showing his class again. That's what I was gonna say. Who did that one try come from? Yeah, great minds think alike. You know, again this time another tap penalty, just a little bit of quick thinking, put the Ealing defence on the back foot a little bit, and then some nice interplay between Will Kay and. Captain um, Cameron Mitchell, I believe, um, yeah. and then um, put Watson away under the sticks again. So just there, there, there are signs there that I think Richmond are enjoying themselves at, at this level. And you know, when it comes to the future seasons, and I know we've spoken it, about it quite a lot, is that actually having the threat of relegation removed this season is allowing them to play a little bit. And I think they're enjoying playing at this level. And I think there are players there. We, we've spoken about Big Sexy and <laughs> Callum Watson quite a lot. So um, I think they'll enjoy, not have enjoyed the experience, but take lots from it and they'll build on that for next season. And I think they'll be looking to, to stay up next season. Quick one. Will they stay up? or, or Yeah, so that next season, um, where are they going to finish in the table? Quick little quick little est- estimation now from each of you. Richmond. Oh, I'd, I'd like to say, if I could, I'll go in, I'll say, I'd like to see them stay up. I think I think they can stay up actually finishing about I'm not going to put them past eighth I think probably about eighth or ninth I'd say and actually if I can add on as well I think Richmond are the best advert for not ring fencing 
out of any of the teams because a lot of their recruitment came from National League One. It came from the likes of Old Altamians, mm. it came from Chinna, and uh, sorry, uh, Watson was on loan at Chinna the season before, and I think he was on loan somewhere else, so I can't remember off the back of it. Now, Loughborough Students is where I also saw him play. And the fact that they've actually given some teams a really good fight, and that pack as well, like Toby Saiso was National One player of the season, I think, uh, and also like Litchfield and Wolford, Timmy Wolford, who's just an absolute legend. Of, of Richmond Rugby, it shows that they are just the latest team, I think, that are going to show that National League One has a lot to offer in this league and it can be competitive for Austin Park. But yeah, I think the fact that I'm saying that Richmond, I think, will be up there and actually probably Nottingham will probably, I think, be the team to go down. In, in terms of my prediction, that ninth or eighth, I'm going to go with. Okay. Fids, what are you saying? Yeah, I'd like them to stay. I think traditionally they're a bit of a yo-yo club between National League One and, and the Championship. And uh, just I think it's a great story. I think they've got one of the the brightest and, and more exciting kits in the league. And it's nice to see a little <laughs> bit of difference in that regard. Um, and, you know, traditionally they're one of English rugby's standout names, aren't they? And it'd be good to see see them do well again. So, yeah, I'm going to back them. Just like Warren has, I'm going to bat them to stay up next season. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Position? Do you think, you think two or three yeah, up? Or? Well, if depends what happens. It'll be 11 teams again, I'm assuming, next season in the Championship. So I'd say ninth or 10th. Jamie, what are you saying? Uh, what am I saying? Um, I think Richmond would be keen to finish above the the bottom two next season. I think they're, they're using this season as a building block. And I think their stretch target would probably be seventh, Ooh. if they could. I think that would be, uh, se- yeah, seventh-ish. Stretch target, probably very corporate one. of you. Oh, yeah. I like the brains it. of the outfit, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on then to Nottingham against Saracens, uh, another dismal day. Another dismal day for Nottingham. Saracens putting 50 points on them. Sid, what was your take on it? So, uh, first thing when you look at try scorers, whatever else, what are the names you see? Andy Christie, Don Morris, uh, Tom Whiteley, um, all getting on the score sheet. And they are all quickly becoming Saracen superstars. Um, I think I think we knew, you know, before Saris even got into the championship, that um, those boys had a bright uh, future ahead of them. They're all getting on the score sheet. They're all academy lads. And, you know, how often did, uh, you know, Prem Rugby bang that drum um, and Sarri's bang that drum about how many um, academy players they have through, they have come through to their senior, senior setup and how useful has it been for them this season and how effective have they been? They've been given such an opportunity and they really have um, grabbed it with two hands and they've absolutely run with it. Um, we're seeing... All those guys come on tremendously. We're seeing them literally, I brought it up a few weeks ago, they're literally growing. Um, Andy Christie is growing into the, the back row that we imagine him to be in. And in, in, he plays like, he's been playing like that before he was that big. Um, you know, Don Morris is not, you know, not much taller than six foot, if that. And um, he, we just know him as an absolute cannonball. Um, he's learnt from the best in the business, um, the likes of Brad Barrett on how to play that style of game, and it, except he's, you know, 22 or whatever he is, you know, he's a young lad and so he's still uh, still full of energy and he's not had a thousand stitches in his face. Um, and then Tom Whiteley obviously just controls the game at nine or ten, um, he's capable of playing there as well. Um, sadly, I think he's off to uh, Bristol next year, but it just goes to show that the academy stuff is still happening and you know you you actually take a little look at what's going on with um, the Saracens Academy now and there's still some really um, exciting young talent coming through um, so you know they're still doing a fantastic job and it's great to see that it's coming to fruition and yeah I think that's just a, 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 a big up to them but also yeah nice little nod to all of those um, other teams that do do have you know younger setups not necessarily you know all these championship sides they do have junior teams and stuff like that and so it's just a shout to nurture your talent Um, if you can look after someone from a young age if you see some talent if you can really nurture it 
then you can create these stories yourself for your own teams. And I just think it's a fantastic thing to see right up at this at this top level. I'd also like to add on to that. It's nice to see some of the sort of other squad members get some game time and think find their feet again. I think you know, my the, the one example that I, I've got in my head is Alex Lewington. Mm. So someone yeah. in the Premiership, you know, for London Irish was an absolute try-scoring sensation, came to Sarries and I don't think really showed his full potential while we're in the Prem. Um, and actually, the fact that he's playing week in, week out is just helping him get his game back. And, yeah. you know, he's now Saracen's top try scorer. He's he's on seven tries, I think it is now, in the six games that we've played. He's, he's behind only Rain Smith of Ealing. Yeah, he's in second there, um, yeah. yeah. So he's second there. And I think he's just beginning to refine that, that touch and... and that try scoring finesse that I think we may have lacked from him previously in the in the Premiership. So I just wanted to say that it's, it's actually still a really good breeding ground for current talent to yeah. to find their their strengths again. Yeah. If I can just add on as well, actually, the more this season goes on for Saracens, the more, the more it might be controversial to say, but the more you actually think the loss against Pirates was probably the best thing that could have happened to Saracens, mm. actually. Because it made those academy players realise, blimey, this is a competitive league, so we need to be at our best in order to do this. I think they were shell-shocked against Cornish Pirates that day. They didn't think they were, it was going to be that close because if Saracens coming into this championship, they could have thought, oh, it's just going to be a stroll. I mean, I'm sure nobody thought that inside, but it, it just confirmed it on the pitch that this wasn't going to be a stroll. So it gave that motivation for those players, as you say, to make their stories. Players like Don Morris, who I pointed out in uh, the pre-season competition, who was excellent in that conference. I think it's a shame he hadn't had more time up till this point. I think he'll really get it in during the back end of this season. Um, Toyimbo, I think, has st- stood out for me as well. He had a great season with Antil last year, and this season he's just gone on even more. Uh, Ratimi Shegan as well has gone on to that wing where he's competed with, like you said, Alex Lewington, learning from those players. So I think having that Pirates loss has motivated them just to make sure that their performances are near perfect, which they really much have been. Like, there's been a few scores against them which they'll kick themselves for. But, you know, they are just looking to move on. And when I spoke to John Kapoku last last week and when I saw the announcement of the Nottingham team, he said to me, they came out of that Ealing game and they just, it was like for them, it was just like, yeah, another game. Let's just carry on exactly as we are. It shows you that they're taking it seriously. And the combined factor of the internationals and probably that motivation that the youngsters have is make, that's why I think, is they are performing so brilliantly and really it's lit a fire under them and that's why Nottingham didn't have a chance at the bay. Mm. So a quick word on, on Nottingham then, Warren. Mm. They weren't going to expect much out of this out of this game at all and they didn't come away with anything. So met expectations, I guess. But what what's what's going on at Nottingham? What's happening? <laughs> oh, the poor thing. Well, it's, it's a worrying situation at the bay, I think. You know, they... They were one of the leading voices. Their their owner was one of the leading voices when it came to the cutting of funding and also the idea of ring fencing. So he was the one that was really speaking out and saying, this is wrong. And when you look at the situation, you can see why. It feels like they're scraping the barrel a little bit. And that's why they ended up with a squad of about five or four weeks to go. There was basically 40 new players having to learn to play. And I'm sure you guys know, you've seen it throughout rugby. It takes more than four to five weeks in order to get a team to play really well. We thought they were starting to get there in the Hartbury game. I think the news then hit that Neil Folkes, who is just is a stalwart at Nottingham, the fact that he is now heading to Wasps permanently, I think that's really hit them badly. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think that's that combination of having that short amount of time to play, the impact of COVID has had, and the fact that Folkes is now going to be heading off. It's supposed to be looking downwards, and I think it's that combination of factors is really hitting Nottingham on the pitch as well as off it, I think. And I think they'll be glad to have a bit of fans back, a bit of money through the gate as well. I think that's that would be where I think the problem is. They're probably the ones who are most hard by COVID out of anything. On to our last match of the weekend then. A seemingly tight affair up at Castle Park. Bedford giving Doncaster Knights a run for their money, but ultimately losing and just missing out on that, that, that losing bonus point. It was 27-19 to Doncaster. Warren, have any thoughts on this one? Well, it's another great game at Castle Park. I feel for the um, cardiovascular history of Doncaster Knights fans at times, to be honest, <laughs> some of the games they've been playing. <laughs> but um, I think actually more than anything, I think it shows that Bedford are 
it's, it's a weird one to say, but I feel like Bedford are possibly the most improved side throughout the games that they've played. Because, you know, and it shows that they've had this partnership with Northampton Saints. They've had a lot of players coming in, like the likes of Tom Litchfield, uh, Husky Douglas, Tupai, who is just a revelation for them in that scrum half position. Um, Lewis Bean as well, uh, Ollie Newman. This is what it goes to show again. I think it just, again, it emphasises that point that when you combine those sort of academy players at Northampton Saints with those Bedford Blues players that have been playing there for a long time, like Will Carrick-Smith, in the middle, it shows that you can get this amazing formula going that can compete with any team on their day. And Bedford Blues, while it took them a little bit of time to sort of get cooking, they really showed it against uh, Doncaster Knights. And I think the only reason that it didn't really come off for them is the fact that, well, Doncaster can have a combination of a cracking set piece that moves very quickly and a, a couple of ball players out on the wings in Billy McBride that know how to find the line from deep. So I think, yeah, Doncaster Knights are a professional outfit. So you, I don't think Bedford were going in there expecting to take a win out of them. But I think the fact that they've given them a good game, just missing out on the bonus point is harsh on them. But it shows that they are probably one of the most improved sides in the league over the seven games. I would just echo that. I think, you know, we, we spoke about it before, but Doncaster seems to be a, a team that selects itself. I mean, it's very rare to see wholesale changes. They only make one or two if, if necessary. And I think, you know, we've spoken about Jack Spittle and him being a real outlet for them and obviously missing him now for the last two weeks through injury but Howard Patman coming in he scored two tries last week it just seems to be a, a team a club that's really built a strong ethos and, and a really positive culture and that everyone seems to know what they're doing when it comes to, to game time and I think they'll be absolutely delighted with a five-point win yesterday you know four tries as you said Warren you know McBride is someone that picks up those nice lines from deep, running at full back, and he, he picked up two tries yesterday. We still love, on the podcast, we love Sam Olver uh, at 10, and the way that he runs things uh, and really controls the game for, for the Knights' back line. But um, I think what I really wanted to shout out again was the Doncaster media team for releasing last week an absolute stitch-up of front rower Will Holling and the many faces of Holling, they called it, in his game faces, and he was gurning all over the place. And so I'm very much looking forward to the sequel now. Um, after he scored a try yesterday in the win, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the celebration face that Alan captured. So uh, well done again to the uh, Knights social media team. Yeah, Michael's a good guy on that social media team, and he's he does. I think they do a lot as well in terms of trying to push the um, the uh, sort of the ideas around the championship. I don't know how you feel about promoting other podcasts and that sort of thing. But he's been a real driver. Very badly, guy. very adversely. Is how I'm sorry, I'm right. sorry. Yeah. I'm going to say it. I have the power to keep you off this Zoom call. But you uh... do, this is very true. <laughs> but I will say Doncaster Knights have to be probably the advert as well for showing what championship, how competitive championship clubs can be as well because they've only just really taken that step into professionalism. And like I say, they are well up there. I think they're giving, I think they'll probably feel they'll be feeling nervous when their bye week comes uh, I think it's the next they've got the next one so they'll be nervous when they look on and see Saracens and Ealing play at that time and possibly Cornish Pirates but they deserve to be up there in that contention for playoff no doubt uh, yeah like you say with the likes of the Gurney Will Holly uh, Sam Olver who actually I have to say has really benefited from the coaching team at Doncaster Knights because he's had a bit of a tough time of it during his academy days and during his time as he's tried to sort of find that opportunity to kick on and literally, quite literally, he has been kicking on. That's why he's leading the scoring charts at the moment. He just plays with that confidence that he uses. We saw him on the first day at Dillian Park. He just, everything he touched turns to gold. That's what I'm going to say. Turns to gold. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's he's just continued that. And that's because he's got a great team behind him, a great coaching behind him. And yeah, Doncaster Knights, great setup. Brilliant. Let's look forward to next week then. We, uh, we've got uh, another round of games coming up. The end of the season's fast approaching. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's have a quick look back at how we did last week with our predictions. Yes, let's. <laughs> I don't think I did very well again. Oh, so Sid's already worked out. <laughs> uh, but 
Sid's already worked out that he got five from five. Well, so is well the only done, time Sid. I remembered what one said. <laughs> yeah, five from five. You correctly predicted all the winners, so well done. Uh, oh, it's Charles, like no fanfare for, for me when it's when it's me getting five from five, is it? All the other no, six sorry. out the other eight you, weeks. You <laughs> oh, might have yeah, look at me. No, 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 no. I'm Jamie. I got them all right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sid, you might have had a fanfare if you turned up on time this morning. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Can't, be doing, can't be doing these morning yeah. recordings no more. Yeah. Not my style. Yeah. Absolutely. There we go. Just bat you back down. Uh, so, Charles, you and I, you and I went for boringly went for the same teams, and it worked out not very well. So we got three from five. Didn't get Jersey. Didn't get Pirates. So there we go. Now your second team feeds. I know Pirates are my second right. team. <laughs> So next week, then let's rattle these off. It's not next um, week. It's, it's not next week. Oh, it's, it's week two off. weeks' time. It's Got a week correct. off. There is a week off. Uh, so two weeks' time, then Bedford versus Ealing. Charles, who are you saying? Ealing. Sid. Ealing. Warren, I know you're not going to be here next week. Oh, but who are let you me having? think about it. Yeah, yeah not Ealing. <laughs> okay. Ealing all the way through. I'm obviously going to do the same. Uh, Saracens against Amptill, Sid. Saracens. <laughs> Charles. Oh, Saracens. I know, year of little faith, eh? Go DAs. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, it, it'll be Saracens. If Amptill give as many penalties away, I think, I think Mark Lavery said they could they could do a century on them if they give that many penalties away. So, <laughs> fingers oh, crossed wow. they won't, but... Yeah, Saracens. That, that would, yeah, that wouldn't be... Uh, bit the baddest three that they don't want. It? I thought you were going to say they could do a century of penalties. <laughs> what a good who knows is there an edit we got might, predictions for that they might do and uh, and then you have then you'll have a a day one of a test match score <laughs> next game Jersey versus Coventry Warren let's go to you first did you fancy I'm going to go Jersey I think the thousand will be the 16th man ok Jersey Sid let's go to you yeah I think they'll uh, continue the run of form I think Jersey as well Charles are you going to be conformist I am actually. Yeah. Oh, how did I know? Well, it's because we had Wayne Warren said that um, Jersey will win. Sid said it. So I, I, you know, Sid did well last week with his guesses. So uh, I'm going with the uh, pros. Always the conformist, Charles. Uh, I'm going to buck the trend. I'm going to go Coventry. Jersey. Play, yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> but you've got to keep it interesting, don't you? I think Jersey have, have had a good couple of games. And they, they seem to be clicking. Coventry have had a little bit more consistency throughout the season. Yeah, they they didn't have a good one just just uh, just this week gone. But they have shown some form and they have shown some quality in the past. So I think it's perfectly plausible to call them as, as a winner. So for the sake of, of interest in this competition, uh, I will go for Coventry. This will be an interesting one then. So Richmond against Nottingham. Fiddler. I'm going to say Richmond. Okay. Sid? <laughs> I uh, I also want to say Richmond, but is this where uh, I play the Joker card and, and we, we maybe see an upset? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, play the Joker card. You know what? Come on, Nottingham. Let's, let's give something uh, to Neil folks before he goes, right? Now's your opportunity. I'm going to go Nottingham. Get it done. Nice. I'm going to go Richmond. You bastard. (laughs) 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 Warren, who takes your fancy? Oh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I'm going to say Richmond. They've just played a lot more comp. They've just played their own game a lot more than Nottingham. And I think they'll do the same at the rag. Fair enough. Fair enough. And the last game then, Cornish Pirates against Hartbury. Sid, you first. Got to be Pirates, I think, for that one again. Pirates. I'm going Pirates. Pressure on Charles to not be boring. I'm going to say Pirates. Of course he's going to. <laughs> I just, I just think Harper have been to. so inconsistent this season and they're coming off the back of what will effectively be a two-week break, having had the bye this weekend and then off next weekend. I just think travelling down to the Pirates will be a struggle for them. So I'm saying a home win because I love to be boring. You do love you to do be bloody boring, love being boring, don't you? That is my comfort <laughs> zone. You are a proper nose. <laughs> uh, Warren, then. I'm going to throw a spanner in the works. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say heartbreak. Is he going to say draw? Oh, no, no, I'm not going to say draw. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> no, I'm going to say heartbreak because Cornish Pirates are all about... I said they're all about the set. They're all about the set piece. And they're all about their powerful pack. But then again, Hartbury have their own one. They've got a good one. They've got some hell of a players on the bench. And Nick Selway, he can change a game. He's the one forward I think that can actually change a game beyond sort of Ian Saracens. And Hartbury, well, we saw that they 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 do not give up without a fight. I saw that Dillian and Park. Uh, but I know I know obviously well how much of a difference actually are Cornish Pirates. That's a bit of an interesting question. But I'm going to back Hartbury. On this one, I know they've got a break, but you know you've got a squad that is full of a. It's a very different system at Hartbury, and they could. Who knows? There could be players that could come out of the works. Ben Foley on his day, Bragman on his day, AEA is O'Day is an absolute unit. I think it's impossible to stop him at times. So I'm going to say Hartbury. I think they could could cause another little upset at Cornish Pirates, but I could be made to eat my words. So let's see. I'm convinced. I'm sold. That was good. Oh, yeah. Interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting stuff. Come on. I'm on the Pirates. I now think we've got it all wrong. Sorry, Vince. <laughs> yeah. Last split. Okay, Sid, it's that time of the week again. It's Sid's last play. What have you got for us this week? What, I'm always excited come this time in the, sh- in the show. Well, like, what well have you got? I've, got, I've got a big one for you because, you know, we've got our special guest today. We've got Warren Muggleton in, so it would be rude not to involve him. However, absolutely, I'm not going to make him compete. He's going to be the centerpiece of this, right? So the the pressure is Ooh, on for you, Warren. Okay, the pressure is on. Okay, uh, we've kept the game simple this week uh, after last week's car crash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep it interesting, we've kept this one uh, dead simple. Okay, so um, this is the structure. I have sent Warren two lists of 10 things, just 10 things. Um, and he, it's going to be up to him to uh, basically describe those things to you. And then you need to, as quick as you can, say what it is that Warren's trying to describe. Okay. okay. So this there's... is championship themed, of course. Oh, championship themed. Championship themed, rugby themed. Yeah. Okay. That that sort of loose area. Um, there's there's two lists, and so what's the score at the moment? Are we drawing at the moment between you two? Uh, Forget every week. No, it's seven weeks. Four, three. Four, okay. Three. So, yeah. so James said, so we'll let Fiddler pick whether he wants set one or two. They're just, you know, it's just a random 50-50. One might be harder than the other. But we'll do that in a second. But I also want to do this. We it, Basically, each each set, has 10 things that you're looking for okay what we can do is i can put you on the clock for a minute and then see how many you get in a minute or we say that you need to get through all 10 and i time how long it takes you (laughs) and if there's a pass then it's a 20 second penalty let's go with how many can you get in a minute okay however many you can get in a minute they're pretty straightforward they're pretty straightforward so i don't i think you'll do okay okay i think you'll be all right okay so fiddler in the overall standings, you are trailing for free, still close. Uh, yeah. I'll to give you some kind of advantage. I'll let you pick. Would you like set one or set two? This is set very two. game show. Set two. Okay. Uh, would you like to go first or second, Fiddler? I would like to go first. Oh, oh. putting the pressure on. You know what? I think, I think that. Mm, I don't know if that was a good call. Okay. All right. All right. So you're going to go first. And you're doing set two. So, Warren, you have set two. You you have the card. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I've they do in game shows. They have cards. <laughs> they? they don't email each other. It's got a big logo on the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiddly, you ready? Ready. Your one minute starts in three, two, one, go. All right, team top of the championship. Ealing. The man in charge at Saracens. Uh, Mark McCall. Uh, the place where one of the London teams plays their home games, uh, just the nearest one to the River Thames. The Royal Athletic Ground. Close, close. The, the, team, the, name of the, team's, the, te- the team name's actually in the name of the ground. Oh, well, the Ealing Trail Finders. The Trail Finders. No. No, it's the team that got promoted this year. Play in uh, red, black and yellow. Yeah, Richmond. Yeah, so the full name of the ground is. 
The Richmond Athletic Ground. Correct. Uh, the oh, nearest God. point to the try line at which you can have a um, five meters set piece, uh, but it's a different uh, set piece name. The five meters. Yeah, but what's the name of the set piece that takes place? Scrum. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Not- uh, former Nottingham and now Doncaster winger. Jack Spittle. Yep, uh, the team that play on the island. Jersey. Uh, your podcast guest. Uh, you, Warren Muggleton. Hey, <laughs> is that a minute, is it? Yeah, but keep going. I just... All right, okay. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I don't know this one. <laughs> I'll jump in. Big Sexy. Yeah, go for it. Miles Scott. <laughs> hey, there we go. Place where Doncaster play their home games. Castle Park. Uh, I've, I've set piece that um, uh, Johnny uh, uh, this uh, p- sort of kick that takes place that John, Johnny Sexton. Yeah, correct. There we go. Nice. <laughs> okay, Scott, good. You did have an additional thirty-four seconds or so there. Your All time right. uh, was up after about uh, Jersey. You got to Jersey Red. So one, two, three, four, five. Six. So, struggled a bit on Richmond Athletic you Ground there, Charles. Up on Richmond Athletic was, Royal uh, Athletic Ground. Royal Athletic Ground. Royal Athletic Ground. No, no show, it's the Richmond Athletic Ground. Shows what you know. <laughs> okay. Well, I really hope you don't do very well. All right, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Obviously. We'll see how Jamie gets on. Okay, right. Uh, Warren, have you got set one with you? I do indeed. Okay, cool. Right. Uh, happy with everything on there? Yeah, I'm all good on this one. If, if there's any you're not sure on, you can just skip, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Jenny, you ready? Ready. Big expectations now. Yeah, yeah. I saw you giggling at Fiddler when he got stuck on the old Royal Athletic Ground there. So don't <laughs> yes, mess this indeed. up. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay. Your one minute starts in three, two, one, go. All right, the most northern team in the championship. Doncaster Knights. Uh, the number 10 for Saracens. Owen Farrell. Uh, Nottingham's home ground. The Bay? Bay, yeah. I need better than that. I need better than no, that. No, come on, you can't have that. I need better than that. <laughs> Pass. Opposite oh. of a gentleman. Opposite of a gentleman in the name. Oh, uh, Lady Bay? Can't Lady accept, Bay, you already passed. Can't accept, you already passed. All right. Uh, oh. this, is, this is what happens after uh, a player puts the ball down in a try zone in his own half. Uh, 22 dropout. Correct. Uh, the head coach at Nottingham. Neil Folks. Uh, the Gloucester-based championship team. Hartbury. Uh, one of your podcast uh, co-hosts. Charles Fiddler, Sid, Le- Sid Young. That's right, yep. Uh, the top scorer in the championship. Top try scorer in the championship, I should say. Uh, Rain Smith. Right. Uh, where the Bedford Blues play their, their games? Goldington Road. Okay, and last one. You're the fly half and you spot your winger on the opposite side. Uh, what do you do? Uh, Crossfield kick. Yep, that's it. Decent, well done, not bad, not bad. So, <laughs> but you got a 20 your, second time penalty for the pass. Your time was up at Golden and Road. And Surely we're not doing a 20 second time penalty. You did pass on Lady Bay. And as much as I'd like to throw in some convoluted uh, fines and whatever else, Fiddler, I don't think there's any escaping the uh, Royal <laughs> Athletic Ground fiasco. But, but he didn't get Lady Bay Arena. <laughs> It's Lady Bay Arena, so it's exactly no, the same. I, yeah, that's that's fine. I, I, it, it struck off. It doesn't count. And to be fair, he actually he actually did get there in the end. <laughs> and even if I take that one off, he still got more than you in the minute. <laughs> so uh, I yeah, think but he the... passed. You said at the beginning that passing. No, the I said in the, in the various formats that we could do it to see how long that it would take, oh, and you'd get a twenty second. And even if we did do that format, it'd still be. <laughs> Even with the 20 second uh, limit there. Stuart's inquiry. Charles Fiedler, I think you go down. uh, Jamie, 5 3 in total standings for this week. (laughs) Uh, A bit bit of self singing. (laughs) 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 Nothing to reinforce a win like that. Warren, thank you very much for your involvement. That was excellently done. Great job. Thank you, guys. Right. Brilliant. I'm well chuffed with that. Look, look how disappointed he is. <laughs> I'm pissed off. Gutted. He's, he's gutted, isn't he? That has ruined my Monday. That has brought us to the end of episode eight. 
What a podcast to be. <laughs> Charles, so sore. So unbelievably sore. But uh, I couldn't be happier. So, yeah. But what, what a podcast it's been. Warren, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, you. Been, you. been fantastic. Thank you, Warren. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure. Been a blast. We will hopefully have you back at some point in the future. In the meantime, you can get involved on the socials. So it's at changingroom underscore four on Twitter and Instagram. We've got an email address if you want to get in touch, changingroom4podcast at gmail.com. We will hopefully have your ears back next week for round eight. Or in two weeks. Two weeks for round nine. For round nine. Oh, <laughs> right. Jamie, Jamie out. Oh, Jesus. I vote Jamie out, Warren in. Jamie yeah. out, Warren in. Motion carried. <laughs> so we will see you in two weeks' time for round nine. But until then, stay safe and let's keep talking champ rugby. See you then.